Hey everyone, and welcome back to Stand By Go, the theater podcast out of Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, for this episode, I have somebody that I have just recently worked with, uh, the last show that I did, uh, where she played Joe March and Little Women uh, for Asheville, theater, Asheville Community Theater that ended up being online uh, because of this whole pandemic. So please welcome Virginia Rigsby. Hey, Virginia. Hi, <laughs> Hi John. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, given the yeah. circumstances. Yeah, just trying to take things day by day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that one. It's hot. <laughs> um, I moved to Asheville it's, to get away from the heat, and it just kind of followed me. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm in Davidson right now, but I just got back from Asheville today and tried to go hiking, and it was scorching. <laughs> I felt like I couldn't do anything outside. Yeah. I mean, it could always be worse. Like it could be where That's I grew up. True. Like I, every time I start complaining about how hot it is here, I'm just like, well, I could be in Fayetteville. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Which is yep. hot, which is like the hottest yeah. place is the hottest part of the state. Yeah. Like, I can imagine. Here. Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned in my intro, you and I met not too long ago uh, when we were doing uh, little women and you were Joe March. Um, before we even get into the interview, how was it kind of um, transitioning from doing, we did the first six weeks of rehearsal in person on stage, and then we switched over uh, to do it virtually with rehearsals on Zoom, and then finally our performance on Zoom. I know how it was on my end, but like, how was it on the actor end? Yeah, it was definitely strange it was it took a lot of adjusting um because you get so used to like your physical movements and the physicalization of the character and we had so much time to work with that and um everything was blocked we were off book like everything i just felt it in my body everyone was like starting to get comfortable with everything and then all of a sudden you have to bring what is bigger than life um to a small screen <laughs> um like a little like what we're talking in right now everything has to be contained and it was it was definitely uh difficult at first um just the certain techniques of not having to like lean forward lean back um keep yourself in the frame and make sure you look at the camera and not at the people who are talking. That was the most difficult thing was not looking at whoever was talking. Um, and like sometimes because I was looking at just a tiny black circle, I would like, my mind would roam <laughs> and I'd forget what I was doing. And then all of a sudden there would be a line and I'd just be standing there staring, like not realizing I was acting <laughs> or really in like a play, you know? Um, so it was definitely interesting. Um, but you know, it's another thing like under my belt that I've had, you know, and, and that we've all had to go through. Um, and I'm so thankful that we didn't cancel it all together. Um, that's what I was thinking uh, was going to happen. And I think that as a team, we all did so so well with keeping the spirits up and just doing whatever we could to still tell the story and and show the work that we had um been 
doing for six weeks, you know? Um, and I think that, I think that in the end it paid off, even though it was a little, a little strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely was. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been more nervous than the first 30 seconds of that show. Oh, um, I was awesome. I was so nervous for the tech side too. That's what like, I, you know, for, you know, every actor gets like the pre-show jitters and whatever, but I was more nervous about like, how is this going to be pulled off? You know, I had, I had confidence in everyone, but there are some things that were just so um, out of our hands at some points, Wi-Fi connection going wrong, like, you know, just stuff like that, that you can't really plan for, even though you guys, you did plan for it. You planned the best you could for sure. And, um, we had a solution to everything thanks to you guys. Um, but I was so nervous for the tech. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, because we were on a 30 second delay from whatever you all were saying to whatever was showing up on YouTube. Like again, those first 30 seconds when you started your voiceover. Um, well, I guess technically Evan had the first, the first Little, words. Yeah. And so um, those 30 seconds between hearing him say it and then listening to on the iPad to make sure it was coming through. And then once it came through, it was just like, yeah. yeah. And luckily there was no, luckily there were no storms that night. Like there were the night before. Yep. Yeah. Which kicked two of our actors off. Um, yeah. I had, I had um, the world's most amazing assistant stage managers in tech for that. So, um, but yeah, and, and I'm sure it's probably, I know, I don't know how you are. Maybe we can get into this later, but like, I know, a little bit um, like when I'm at, when I'm acting and you know, other people, they don't become those characters until they get into costume or they have all the props and you know, if they have a hat, like until they get the hat on. And so the fact that you all never got into, you know, especially because it's a period piece, those period costumes and, and having all of the, um, you know, whatever they were going to do for your short hair, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was probably a big adjustment as well. Uh, it definitely was. I remember in my head, the story is so iconic and so is Joe as a character. And I was, I was just nervous, um, you know, from day one and was like somewhat second guessing myself through the thing. I'm like, I don't know if I actually feel like I'm, you know, in character or like I'm in the period or, you know, I was, um, I was just like trying to get, you know, my thoughts straight. And we were, we were in the fantastics. We were working with the fantastic set, you know? So I was like, how is this going to come together? Like, I just like was so, I was just so like, not apprehensive because I knew it was going to come together, but like just nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, like, ugh, this is just, you know, there was a lot of pressure. And um, I remember as soon as I did the uh, photo shoot promo and I had the costume on and we went to, oh, what's the name of the house that they shot at? In I wish, uh, the Thomas Wolf house. Thomas Wolf house. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as we walked into that house and we started and I had a, um, I had what was going to be my journal and a quill and like, I, I was like, oh, this is it. I feel so much better. Like I feel so excited to get our set, to get the costumes and really live in that time. Um, 
And so when we brought it to Zoom and I was doing this from literally that corner right there, I like moved my dresser and had my lamp with the lampshade off as like my spotlight oh, yeah. and had my room as my, you know, <laughs> as my stage. Um, it was um, definitely a challenge, but um, I think that the writing and the words and the story, it speaks for itself. And um, in the end, you know, that's what matters. And I think that we, like, I was able to fall into that, the easier and more comfortable I got with it being on screen. Um, I don't know if anyone else had the same experience, but it definitely, it was, it was, it was um, different for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the things I hated, I mean, I hated the whole fact that we had to go from doing right. it in person. Um, but one of the things that I hated was, you know, we were two weeks from tech. So we were just to the point where the story was going to get tighter because all we, we had just gotten off book. The whole, the whole show was blocked as you mentioned. And, um, every, all the relationships were, were about to get tighter and all that stuff. And yeah. everybody in the cast was really, really great. And, and their connections were, but what I could see from, so when I stage manage, um, course as you saw is i'm usually at a table in the back so i can see the whole thing as it starts to come together and um watching the four of you the four sisters starting to get closer and then what and then just knowing what was going to happen over the next um what uh six weeks was just going to be it was going to be something very special and i think i think that is what bums me out is yeah it was great um, for what what it was and everybody you know no questions asked I sent out that email that said hey who wants to do this and everybody came back and said yeah I, let's do it um, but what would have happened with that entire company not just the actors but like the ASMs and me and, and the tech and and the design team and the build staff and everything it was just going to get so much tighter and it was going to be a really special production it ended up being a special production because we were you know the first show um at act to do a, a virtual show and mm -hmm. um and pulled it off as well as as we did but just the what what could have been i think is what bummed me out so much about the whole process yeah i i definitely agree and and my friends who watched it they were like it was great but it was almost sad to watch because we you know you could see what could have been kind of thing you know and like you said it it ended up being a special performance regardless but um yeah i think everyone was getting much more comfortable um with our connections and with each other and our characters and so to take 10 like more like 100 steps back having to do it from this yeah. um was you know, definitely a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And I'm trying not to turn this into like a depressing episode, but like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. never going to be able to get that combination of people back on stage again. And I, mm -hmm. it was going to be something special, but, uh, but I'll just leave it at that. And we will continue on um, <laughs> with this episode. Um, so yeah, first of all, thank you for coming on this podcast. Uh, we were just talking about right before we started recording that you've always wanted to do a podcast. 
So I am honored that I am your first podcast that you do. I don't know what, I don't know, I guess because I love podcasts. And so when I listen to them, I'm like, how fun would that be to be able to just talk with like a friend or a colleague or someone that I look up to, you know, like what, like how fun would that be? Um, Maybe it's just the performer in me that wants, (laughs) you know, like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but um, yes, I have always wanted to. Yeah. I mean, when I started this, it was kind of on a whim anyway. I was just Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to start a podcast and I knew exactly who my first episode was going to be. And then after that, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so hopefully this is a good first experience. And then, uh, you know, who knows, maybe you'll, you'll have your own podcast someday. Maybe. Maybe so (laughs) (laughs) as long as I'm on it, that's all I, that's all I care about. (laughs) Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and just kind of how you got into theater? Yeah. um, So I started performing at a pretty young age. Um, uh, I just did like my elementary school um, musicals, you know, it was like the jungle book and I wanted to be, you know, wanted to be the lead or whatever. <laughs> um, and I just loved performing. I loved doing chorus as well. Um, and then in middle school, my grandma used to be uh, do a lot of theater and she put my sister and I into drama camps um, in Salisbury, North Carolina. Um, at their community theaters and it would be a week-long drama camp um, and we'd go stay with my grandma and they were all they would be like themed so it would be a Shakespeare camp or one I remember one summer we um, did a whole whole week on acting through music and so at the end our little showcase was we each got to pick a song and like do a live music video of it (laughs) so just like little like things like that that I would do every summer um and the older I got I guess the more comfortable I got with it I loved it but I wasn't great at all I was like just like really shy and reserved and um and the more comfortable I got um the I guess better I got and um and started to realize that it was something that I really uh, wanted to do as a career. And um, uh, I knew it was my biggest passion. And then um, in high school, I was super involved, um, as involved as like anyone could be. I was that theater kid <laughs> and, um, and made the decision to major in it um, when I went to school. So I went to App State, Appalachian State University, and graduated with a BA in theater um, last May in 2019, and then studied more at Atlantic Acting Conservatory in New York um, after graduation, um, because my major was technically in like general theaters, so I did everything, including arts administration and. I got to learn costumes, scenery and props, kind of everything while being able to perform, which was really cool. Um, And so during that, I realized that performing was 100% what I wanted to do um, because I tried everything and I was like, yep, cool. Performing is still it, (laughs) you know, Um, and which is why I continued my education at Atlantic. Um, And yeah, and then since then, I 
moved to Asheville on a whim. I had no idea that I was going to move to Asheville. Um, and I saw that they, ACT was putting on Little Women. And so um, I stayed in Asheville until that happened because I love the story so much. And so um, stayed in Asheville, then got the opportunity to perform in Little Women. That's the last thing that I did. Yeah, it seems that a lot of people that I talk to have that. Yeah, when I was in elementary school, oh we yeah, did that, yeah, we did that little show where That's what we, we we performed in a musical theater. Yeah, we. I my first play was called The Littlest Christmas Tree, and I had a kindergarten teacher, Miss um, Settlemeyer, that. My sister also had, who's two years older than me, all my friends, we all were in the same kindergarten class and she always put on this performance of the, the, little, the Littlest Christmas Tree. And I remember running up to her and I was like, I wanna be the Littlest Christmas Tree. Like, just pick me, like, pick me. I wanna do it, Miss Elmer, let me do it. And then she did and I had like a little baby solo in this like small musical. <laughs> and I, yeah, and then ever since then I was like, destined for the spotlight <laughs> that's adorable i can just see like little, i can just see like little yeah. virginia like, like blonde yeah. hair flowing um yep i'm the littlest christmas tree that is me yeah yeah my my first show was in fourth grade when um i was the wizard in the wizard of oz and my and my and my elementary school they did it where it was a musical but like everybody was involved like all the arts were involved so mm -hmm. we would do the lines and then once it got to the song the choir would stand up and sing and so we just kind of nice. stood on stage like yeah um i mean i wasn't seen until the end as the wizard my second year was like my claim to fame was when i was captain hook and peter pan so I, I which which I almost took my hook off on, you know. You know these great stories of like little actor John right. who almost took his hook off, but I got to sword fight and jump off the stage, and like that's all I really cared that's about. All. As a prepubescent boy, that's all you probably cared about. <laughs> yeah, and I got to wear a, a, a cool wig, and uh, there was a lady in my school who made my coat for me. Mm -hmm. And I still have it. It's hanging up in my mom's closet. Yeah. I wonder if I, I don't think I still have any of my stuff. I was also in my fourth grade musical, The Jungle Book. I was Riki Tiki Tavi, the mm -hmm. mongoose. Mm -hmm. And I think I still had for years, like the nose I wore and the little ears that I had. I had it actually in the desk next to me and i don't i think i cleared it out a while ago but i wish i still had yeah it see it's elementary school theater that makes actors think that they can take home stuff from every show they do and then you get into like you know actual theater and you just start taking props and they're like what what are you doing you can't take this prop home I'm like in fourth grade i still have a costume from when i was in fifth grade I have such a hard time letting go of things though. So I'm like, I need to keep everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> like anything that I'm allowed to keep, I yeah. have to. I was lucky enough what did I keep? from the last time I did Wizard of Oz um, in October, I kept my courage medal 
Um, mm. That's just because the prop, the prop designer was like, I'm going to throw this out if you want it. I was like, yeah. So it hangs from my rear view mirror. Um, but I think it's the only costume or set piece that I have from my two shows I've done at ACT. Uh, I, I wish that I, I don't know for sure if it's in my guest bedroom. Um, I would run and get it, but I don't want to like leave the screen and like just leave you hanging. Um, the only thing that I've ever been able to really take um, besides like club shows that I was like involved with producing or whatever. Um, I did radium girls. I don't know if you're familiar with radium. Girls. I did the um, uh, local high school did it last year. Oh really? Yeah, we did um, the full production of radium girls my junior year of college. That was my first main stage production um, in college. And um, we had these sick giant posters of um actual ads from the 20s uh for radium and um they're giant they're almost as tall as me and um i was able during like deconstruction like set deconstruction um i think they kept a lot of them and they were like just run and take one and don't tell anybody and then run out the side door of the theater like they're just going to throw them away and so i ran and i was able to get one and there's a girl on it who looks just like me <laughs> and so i have this giant creepy poster um of this like blonde girl with like a light shining up for like some type of radium like face moisturizer product and i've kept it in my apartment like whatever apartment I'm in, I have it hanging and it's giant. People are like, that's really creepy, Virginia. <laughs> I'm like, but it's special. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah. If I, is there any costume that you've had that like, if offered, you would have taken it? Honestly, I haven't had many like, like spectacular costume pieces. I think maybe I would have taken my dress for Radium Girls because um, it was custom made, which was really cool. And it was my first custom made costume, like from head to toe. Yeah. Um, and, but it wasn't very flattering because it was from the twenties. So it was like set at the hips and like was yellow and just like a little like, <laughs> but uh, I think I maybe would have kept that because it was my first custom costume um which was a very special moment for me because most of the things that i had done since then or before then um were surprisingly usually like homemade like okay if you have a pink shirt wear it for legally blonde the musical like i could have you know they were like this is what we see for you bring it and so i would you know yeah, I th I think if any of my costumes that I would have been able to keep, it would have been the the cowardly lion costume. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, it's just an amazing costume, but yeah, it's also yeah. just a big onesie, and so, <laughs> you know, it was also very comfortable because it had pillows at the hips because I had to make my mm -hmm. legs look big. Yeah, so yeah, it'd be great to sleep in, especially in the cold. Like right now, I wouldn't wear That's it. Very true. But right. Yeah. Yeah, and I also. Um, I actually had the option when I did the drowsy chaperone. Um, I had this adorable pink sequined like flapper girl dress. Um, 
which was amazing. And I had the option to keep it, but we were auctioning it off um, to raise money for our club. And the woman who bought it came up to me and she was like, do you want this? Like, I, like, you can keep it if you want it. And I was like, it's just going to sit in my closet. You, you paid for it. Like, go, please (laughs) enjoy it. (laughs) However you wish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You mentioned a couple times in talking about um, just kind of like your, your history and theater. Uh, But I want you to go more into in depth about this. Um, I think you said the Atlantic acting conservatory, the Mm -hmm. conservatory you did when you were in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I did the summer program at Atlantic um, acting conservatory, um, which um, is a, it's a decently like new newer conservatory and they focus on the method of practical aesthetics um and um it's a method that i had never really heard of until i researched the school because um i was a fan of a lot of their alumni um and so i was like what is the school that all these people that i like went to (laughs) and um and so i researched practical aesthetics and they call it like the anti-Meisner anti-method or whatever and um so as soon as I read about it um it just clicked with me I was like oh that makes so much sense and so um and I'll get more into the method of 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 what they practice there but um yeah so I went to New York I flew to New York and I auditioned May of 2019 or March of 2019 um, and was accepted to the summer program and um, and it was a month and a half of like the most physically and emotionally exhausting things I've ever done Um, but it was life-changing to say the least and um, and to have six days of your week pretty much day in and day out like for the moment you wake up the moment you go to sleep just be so dedicated to working on acting techniques um was something i'd never done before and it was just eye-opening in so many ways and and again i'm i'm like a perfectionist when it comes to a lot of things and um i overthink a lot um and I want to get things right. And there's just no such thing as getting it right in art, especially acting, you know? And so um, I always struggled acting on impulse. And so that was um, the main thing that we really focused on there. And we had moment lab and we had these movement classes and we had, we just did like yoga for an hour a day. We meditated every day and it was, it was, um a lot of it is just to, a lot of the practices we did were to just get out of our heads and just to like be present in the moment and um and that concept was so wild to me because i thought that acting had to be calculated and i thought that it had to be like i had to have the right answers and um and for six weeks I got to just act on impulse and be encouraged to just like do whatever I wanted because whatever I wanted to do 
in the moment was right, you know? And, um, and it just made so much sense to me and it clicked with me so well. And um, I'm so thankful for my experience. I also met some of the most amazing people there um, that will be friends for life. And so that I would say is the most formative experience of my acting career. Um, just meeting those teachers and meeting the people and watching how that method can com completely transform a scene. Um, yeah, it was, it was special for sure. And, um, who were you, you said when you were doing some of your research, you saw like the alumni, who are some of the alumni of, of this? Um, I, well, first I was, um, I was, uh, interested because I'm a huge Shameless fan and, um, William H. Macy, uh, was one of the founders of the method and the theater itself. Um, and so as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, what? <laughs> you know, cool. And, um, and um, I saw Rose Byrne, who I'm a huge fan of. It's, it's a big like Australian theater for some reason. A lot of people from Australia come and practice there. Um, unfortunately, honestly, like two of the people at the time who I was like really in love with um, have now, there's been like speculations against them with like inappropriate behavior. So uh, it was Aziz Ansari, Ansari and uh, Gina Rodriguez were like two of the people who immediately kind of popped out. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, cool. I was like in a huge Jane the Virgin phase, my <laughs> freshman year of college. Yeah. And I was researching, you know, that's, I, I don't know if you do the same thing, but when I really love an actor's work, I just like research them and I research where they trained and their upbringing. And so that's what I was doing with her. And I saw that she went to Atlantic. Um, Abby Jacobson from Broad City as well, um, which is like my favorite show of all time. <laughs> um, studied there for a little bit. And so it was just like, I was, this name just kept popping up. Um, and so it had been on my radar for a while since the beginning of college. Now, a lot of the people that at least I don't research a bunch of actors, like I don't dive deep oh, okay. mainly, mainly because I'm more of a stage manager than I'm a, I'm an actor. So yeah. um, I would do that for stage managers. I'm like, Oh, where do they go? Um, but it sounds like a lot of those people were, like I know them from screen. So is, um, is this, is there a part of this conservatory that is, that kind of teaches you like um, acting for the screen or is it just acting in general and you can just use this, whether it's for the stage or the screen, or is this like primarily a stage type of program? It's um, surprisingly uh, mostly for the stage. Um, uh we didn't do i don't think we i'm trying to think um i don't think we did anything for um the screen in particular but um i remember asking one of our professors someone in my group asked one of our um teachers you know well okay so what do you do in in on film and also what do you do when the other person you're working with doesn't know the method and they explained how william h macy 
on the set of Shameless, how like the dialogue he would have with the cameraman and like the director and the other actors and stuff and how you can transform the language that we used um, for like the analysis portion and how you could uh, like translate that onto screen. Um, but really the only thing that we did that was, I would say, specific to theater was project like you know we were we were in these small rooms we were five feet away from the performance happening and so um nothing that we did was too um you know theatrical in any way it was it was on a smaller scale anyway and we didn't have a set or costumes or really anything like that so um the yeah the method could be used on screen for sure but yeah a lot of the um performers that are well known um went to screen after which makes sense for the method like when i when when you know it and you research it and you practice it it honestly i would i think um translates better on screen probably um so for people like me who you know i hear the word meisner and people can kind of explain it to me or any other like um, styles of, of acting when it comes uh, like training, when it comes to acting, um, I won't always 100% understand how that works. Like when you're actually doing a show. So can, can you kind of explain how you use uh, your training and, and what you personally got from the conservatory to create your character and be your character as Joe? Yeah, for sure. Um, I will be honest and say that I didn't do it for all scenes, <laughs> for all of the scenes, but um, uh, the, the analysis that I did for the scenes that I thought, you know, really required um, something to come out of me that wouldn't naturally um, happen, for example, the scene with Beth and Joe, um, and the scene uh, with Lori and Joe when he um, admits his feelings for her. Um, those were the scenes, those were the two scenes I really, really um, sat down and like analyzed, um, asked my friends from Atlantic their opinions, like sent them, the script and everything and, um and for example let me see i've got my like notebook right here i wonder if i still have um yeah while you're looking that up my yeah yeah i think, while I, you're looking like, that I, think up, I have it all written down so. the the thing is for anybody who didn't see it or doesn't know this particular script that we worked from um there were 11 scenes in the entire show and Joe is in all but one. And the one scene that Joe is not in is the shortest scene of the show. So yeah. <laughs> and each scene and each scene started with a voiceover from Joe, which if we had done it live would have really been a voiceover. We had already yeah. recorded them all. Um, and they were gonna be part of the sound design. But when we did when we moved to Zoom, Virginia actually did all of the voiceovers on top of the rest of the scenes. So it was, yeah, it was definitely, it was a lot. And, and, 
analyzing scenes with multiple people is um, a whole kind of like different take as well. And most of the scenes were with multiple people, which is why I really tried to focus on the one-on-one -on -one scenes I had. Um, I can't find it in my notebook, which is really upsetting. But um, so for example, with the method, you ask this, like this, the basics of the method are four different questions. Um, the first one is, what is your character literally doing? So like, I would say, for example, the scene with Joe and Lori, I, Joe is literally telling Lori that they would not be good together, period. Like it, it doesn't go beyond anything, like does not go beyond the surface at all. The um, second question is, what does your character want from the other character? So I, I, I wish I had it, like it was, it was very well thought out in my journal, but um, this is, so with that, I, I wanted Lori to realize that there was more to the situation that he was, that he wasn't understanding, that it was more complicated than he was making it out to be. That's what I wanted. I wanted him to like recognize this. And so the third question is what action does your character take to get this want? What's the action? So my action would be to get someone to accept a hard truth. I remember that was my action. And so then the fourth um, question is, or it's not really a question, but it's, it's as if blank. And so you take from your personal life, I take from my personal life, it's as if I was telling someone to accept a hard truth. So I think in my life, is there anyone right now that is just not, you know, realizing something that they're hung up on if, if they're in denial of something. So I, I pull someone from my life right now that I could have a conversation with to get them to recognize a hard truth. Um, and so the difference between that and Meisner is Meisner you pull from the past and you substitute, like that's like the big thing is substitutions. And um, so you think of a time that you had to tell someone something hard and then you substitute that and you think about that moment in your head while you're in the scene. But with practical aesthetics, you pull from what's happening in your life right now so that say Little Women went on for two months, every night I could have something fresh in my mind, a different person. Cause say like, in the first week of performances, I did in my real life go and tell that person, you know, something that was hard for them to hear. So then the next week I have to think of something different so that it still evokes the same emotion and it's still fresh. And I'm not like pulling from a, like, you know, a, a, a situation that already happened because your feelings towards situations can change day by day. You know, some days, I think about a memory and I'm really sad about it. And then some days 
I'm accepting of it. Some days I'm glad it happened. Some days again, or like the next day I'll be sad about it again. So when you pull from your past, your emotions towards your past past can change all the time. And so the, um, so the difference with Atlantic and, and practical aesthetics is that it's always present and it's, um, you, you can always think of something that's happening in your life then so that the emotion is still authentic. And it doesn't seem as potentially dangerous as like yeah. super method acting. That's why they made it actually. They, mm-hmm. they, they tokened it as like the anti-method so that you can save yourself from putting yourself back into emotional trauma and like, you know, cause I'm like, I could pull something from my past, you know, and live in it and just always be living in this horrible situation that happened to me, you know, just assuming or like saying that a scene is emotionally um, heavy or something. And so, yeah, no, they, that was their whole idea is like method acting is not healthy for the mind. <laughs> and so, um, and sometimes substitutions can be unhealthy. And so, if you make it present and make it something that is that can happen the second you walk outside of that door you're not sending yourself back to negative emotions and like keeping yourself in that negative headspace that could potentially really really mess with your mental health did they um because a big part of my my training my schooling um at at unc Asheville um is the process of stepping out of your character. Uh, did they talk about that at all? Just kind of getting out of that headspace. Right. Um, they didn't really. Um, and I think it was because, um, because of the method itself and because of the, like exactly, or, because what I just said kind of about yeah, being, the anti, being able, yeah. you know, being anti sending yourself into a really, you know, sending yourself into a negative thought from your past. Um, they didn't really cover that. I guess they did in, in, you know, describing why they made the method. We yeah. got to meet some of the founders. Um, but I mean, with that being said, I still had scenes and moments where, we would be done and then immediately a teacher would start talking and I would just still be sobbing, like looking at them (laughs) because, because of how like visceral it felt like being able to have talk to this person as if there's someone in my life right now that I want to talk to. Um, And that's the whole point. Like that's kind of what they wanted was they wanted to have you, if you didn't have a visceral, visceral reaction to your action and your as if, then it wasn't going to work, you know? And so, um, still stepping out was, you know, uh, not necessarily a challenge, but I mean, it's something that, I mean, if you're just, if you're in such an emotionally happy scene, you're not going to be able to like snap out of it. Yeah. right as, as soon as you walk off the stage most likely yeah. you know um but it is it's such an important thing 
Yeah, it was something, it was a conversation that uh, the three of us were really close to having. You, me, and uh, Justine, who who wonderfully played our best. Yeah. Um, we were just, like, we were so close to a whole bunch of parts of the show, but we were just about to have the, the um, towards the end of rehearsal, hey, Virginia and Justine, can you hold back for a minute? And start talking about, like, what of our what of our what are going to be our processes of getting out of that scene um and i think the the good thing that you had was that you had a scene right after it uh, a joyous scene that helps yeah and she did <laughs> she just kind of died spoiler alert to anybody who doesn't Went know little women. And, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah like she had nothing you know she had nothing for however long that scene went. And so we were going to have that conversation of like, how are we going to do this? How can I help you? How can somebody else help you to kind of just get out of, you know, that potentially, you know, harmful character if you get too far deep into it. Um, Mm -hmm. But at one point I have a feeling you would have been like, John, I'm fine. I can, I got it. (laughs) Having done it for. Yeah. (laughs) having done theater especially longer than justine who it was this was her first show Mm -hmm. so um but yeah so i actually wrote down all the steps that you put down so i can start really yeah that's what i was doing when you were talking about it i was writing down the four questions i figured yeah or the three questions Mm -hmm. in the statement um yeah yeah because so many of my characters that i play and i talked about this in a recent episode is so many of those characters are me like there's not there's not too much having to read into it because so many of the characters that i play are me um but yeah especially lately i've been really into diving Mm -hmm. deeper into scripts and and like what is the meaning of of this scene or this line or whatnot so be interesting now i want to get back on stage and and start using this into characters that i do um so uh you've mentioned that you it oh sorry is, go, ahead. go ahead oh no it's all good also my internet connection is quite unstable right right now so you're frozen right now oh okay i think you're back well i hear you but your screen is frozen um i was just gonna say it's it is actually incredible the transformations that you can see um, in scenes using the method. That's why when I went to audition, um, it was the best audition process I've ever had in my life. It was so casual. I was so nervous. Um, And actually I was like weirdly not that nervous, but um, I just went into um, one of the, like casting I guess he's not like a casting director for the theater but kind of um I just went into his office it was just him and I and an intern I was just sitting at his desk in front of him he's like cool so uh you want to do your monologue for me and just like sitting in the chair like it was just so casual and he was so nice he's a comedian as well so like of course he was like you know keeping keeping the um the environment light and and he was just so welcoming and so I did my monologue and I knew that it was forced (laughs) um I practiced it so much and um 
it was it was pretty forced and so he was like okay yeah that that was that was good but you were pushing the emotion and I was like yeah I know I felt that as soon as I was done I was like yeah no that was not my best (laughs) that was not my best and then they workshopped it with the method and um not saying that like crying is the end goal but I was sobbing uncontrollably my monologue went from like a minute to 20 seconds because I was just like just spewing out all the words because that's what I felt like doing in the moment they had to go get me like a box of tissues because I was just like I was so in the moment and that's the whole point and I was like holy crap this they're on to something here. <laughs> I was like that that's never happened to me. Like I've never had a feeling like that from performing. And so it's actually insane how how much a monologue or a scene can transform when you when you just apply those four steps. Which is is cool because like when somebody who doesn't do it often thinks about sitting down and really delving into a character or into a scene they think of it as this like daunting task of like, I need to mm-hmm. look at every single line and ask myself, why am I saying this line? Or why did the playwright do this? Where now if you just add these four questions, like what are they literally saying? What does your character want? What action does your character take? And what from your personal life can you pull from? Um, and think of it as a bigger, like for that scene, instead of for every single line, it, it makes it a little less daunting and more of like a way for somebody who doesn't have a ton of acting training or hasn't done it for mm-hmm. their, you know, their entire life it makes it a little bit easier and not as scary, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And, um, and again, it just like makes sense, especially the action. Um, another action I have like a list. This was like my Atlantic notebook that I have next to me. I have a list of, actions at the like I have a whole list here um like to get and they can be really fun too like ones like to get crowned queen so it's like what's something that you feel like in your life right now that you deserve like a gold star for or something (laughs) and there's to get someone to face the facts um to demand someone take a risk to sell someone on a brighter future, to get someone to tell me the truth, to get an enemy to play by my rules. Like there's so many different fun things that you can do with it that just bring a, a level to the scene that you like didn't think was possible, especially when you go line by line. Cause that's how I used to do it as well. And I feel like it's, it's one of those that it doesn't, it sounds like it doesn't have to be, for just like one style of, of a play. Like it could be done across the board. Like it could be Shakespeare, uh, musical theater, dramas, comedies, whatever. Oh yeah. We did our, our final week. A lot of us did, I didn't do Shakespeare, but um, I did a classic play. I did no exit, which is what I was telling you about a couple weeks ago, but so many people did Shakespeare and it worked beautifully. Um, at the at one of my final scenes i went from like no exit which is so dramatic and heavy and then the next scene i did i think it was like two days later was from a play called five lesbians eating a quiche so (laughs) which is like this satirical like crazy comedy and but we 
that's why I did that because I wanted to I was like okay so how do you do this with like a crazy like farce you know but it works it can really work and it can take that from like it can take a comedy from like oh this is just a comedy and they're acting out what the funny things you know they're playing the comedy to oh these are actual characters with real stakes in the scene which makes it 50 times funnier um so yeah you can use it with any any style of acting any style of theater what style of acting do you like the most like do you like doing the most um shakespeare musical theater dramas comedies um i i like musical theater the most um i have the most fun with it because i love singing and i love dancing and i love acting but i think that i am the best at drama and so I tend to gravitate towards dramas more, but I definitely, I mean, I have so much, I have a lot more fun with um, musicals. <laughs> cause duh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause most, most, yeah. most musicals are not downers at some point, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you've done, yeah. but I also, you've done Laramie. I was going to say, right? I, yeah. Yeah, that was the last show I did at App, um, and that was without a doubt the hardest show I've ever had to do emotionally. That's one where I would have loved to have known how to come out of um, better, because I think that the whole cast took that with them, and I carried that with me kind of the whole semester that I was doing that show. Um, but there is in my opinion such importance of doing drama and telling those stories um and i find that like my favorite plays are incredibly dramatic you know just because those are stories that no one really wants to tell from their personal life and when they get to see that and see a story that they might relate to that's hard on stage they feel less alone I know I feel less alone when I see stories like that be um, told. And so um, I find so much importance with drama, um, which is why I think I, I, I kind of like click with it more. Um, but also let me see, love doing comedy. <laughs> yeah. Have you, um, have you done like, you know, a straight play comedy before? I don't know if I have, um, wait, let me think about this. <laughs> um, well, well, while you're thinking, one I would love to do, I don't know if I want to be in it or direct it or stage manage it, probably either one, is have you seen 39 Steps? Mm -mm. Have you heard of 39 Steps? It's basically like um, this, it's like a, this club that is wanting to watch Alfred Hitchcock's 39 steps and, and the movie like burns up in the real. So they decide to like put on a play that is like a performance of it, but using yeah. a whole bunch of other Alfred Hitchcock themes throughout the show. It's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Um, there's one character who is himself the whole time. And then there's the female who plays all the female characters. And then there's the other two who are clown one and clown two. And they are literally like 80 characters. They play all the other characters. 
Yeah. It's hilarious. I've never heard of that. It's funny. If uh, I don't know if there are clips of it online. I'm sure there are. You should definitely check that I'm out. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure I will. It's on it's now on my place to read list. <laughs> um yeah, I don't think I did um in high school, um we did a lot of uh you know, like forty five minute one act plays that were just straight and comedic. Um I don't think that any that are super well known. Um, but with the um, five lesbians eating a quiche, it's a really short play. So we almost did like half of it for our final performance. Um, I think that that was also just a straight play. Yeah. There are, I feel like there aren't many that are very like, you know, critically acclaimed and, and, and performed often. I did almost Maine. I think, like, I think that's probably the closest. <laughs> that yeah. Made. Yeah. My high school did almost Maine, but I, uh, that was like when I was a freshman and like the, the advanced acting theater class did that. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I'd love one. To, I'd love to do one of those door open door closes farces know what i'm talking about where it's like it's all funny just because like as soon as this door opens this door closes another door opens and it's just like just because the timing is so important like this is or or the play that goes wrong what we were just talking about exactly stuff like that yeah yeah i would absolutely love to do something like that that's i mean those for me those are 100 percent the most fun things to act in because you just are like when I was like talking about acting on impulse, like that is just like the definition of acting on impulse. There's no way to really get in your head (laughs) acting, you know, in a show that's so ridiculous and all the characters are so ridiculous. Yeah. And the timing. Yeah. And the timing is so, it has to be so perfect or else it's not funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so what are your what are your goals in theater, short term and long term? And by short term, um, I mean I mean post COVID once theaters are open back up. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say right now. I'm just no, trying, I don't no, know. No. Um, um, I don't really know. Um, I mean, a dream life would be to be able to make a living acting in the theater <laughs> um because you know it's not a very financially secure job and so if i could do that as my full-time job um that would be amazing that's like all you can really ask for <laughs> um uh of course you know i've always had dreams of like broadway and all that stuff but i i don't want to be a musical theater performer even though it's my favorite um i just haven't had the training and i'm I wouldn't be competitive in it. And there are people who I know have trained their whole lives for it. And it's just not my, you know, my forte, I suppose. <laughs> um, so, so of course, you know, Broadway is, is a dream, but um, it's not a necessity. It's not like my end goal. Like I've made it if I've, if I'm on Broadway. Um, actually, I mean, my next, um, my next moves are more towards film. Um, 
I have always loved film and I think that my acting style would be better for film. I think I feel more comfortable. As soon as I get used to it, I took an acting for the camera class in college. And um, uh, as soon as I got out of my like theater <laughs> driven head, um, it just sits, I, I sat in the characters. I feel like that's the difference between theater and film so much as like with theater, I feel like I'm always on my toes and like you have to be kind of larger than life. And as soon as you take a breath and sit in the character, um, it just felt right to me. And um, so I think that my next move and my next goals are actually to get a film agent and to start working in film. Um, but of course, I'm never gonna like for like stop doing theater or stop auditioning for theater. It's like my first and main passion, you know. Um, but I also want to be able to feed myself and pay rent. So <laughs> yeah, you know the important stuff: yeah. being able to live, right, right, eat, yeah, you know, yes. do cl- yeah. do laundry. Well, I know there's one Correct. theater company I want to get you in touch with. And we've already talked about it because I wanted, I was going to get you to audition for them this year, American Myth Center. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think you would fit in perfectly uh, with the, 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 the cast and, and the folks that we've had the last few years. Um, so yeah, next time he is auditioning for anything, I'm going to let you know so you can come out there. I think, I think you'd be a good fit for, for the AMC. Um, yeah. And so, so now we're just going to move on to, uh, the speed round. I don't, I don't know why I call it the speed round. It's just, you know, they never end up being quick because people always want to like explain things, which I'm okay with. It's fine. Um, but so what is your favorite show you've been in? Like you just said, I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna have to explain. It's fine. You can explain. <laughs> um, um, I have favorites for different things, like for different, um, for different reasons. Um, I love the Drowsy Chaperone. Um, it's been a musical like near and dear to my heart for a while. Um, and being, I w- I was a producer on the show as well in college, and, um. And I just think it's so fun. And I just, I had a freaking blast with it. So maybe that's my favorite music or like favorite show I've ever been in. But, um, but also, like I said, Radium Girls was huge for me because it was my first main stage production. Um, I loved the Laramie Project because of the story. Um, and I thought that it was so, it's just such an important piece of theater. And so being able to uh, perform that for an audience and like let them see that story was so special. And the ensemble that we had was just incredible. And like, we worked so well together. Um, and then I did Constellations by Nick Payne, which is just one of my favorite plays ever. And that character was so special to me. Like, there's just so many different, like, um, I have different 
answers for different reasons. That is that is okay. Like when people ask me yeah. this question, it's always like, well, the my favorite like role that I've played, like like I have shows right. that I have shows where it's it was my favorite because of who I was. And right. and like the cast that was there and it was just, you know, like I have another favorite show that was because of the actors that were in there and it was like fun to go to rehearsal every night and fun to go to, but the show right. wasn't all that fun. It was just fun to be, you know, so it's okay. I, I, I like putting people on the right. spot, but you don't have to, you know, yeah. it, it's okay to have multiples. Yeah, well, no, I, that's, that's how I feel about that. I'm like character wise is this show wise is this memory. It was, this, you know, it, there's yeah. it's just, and it's the same with it's the same with stage managing. I have a favorite I have a favorite show because I'm sure yeah. like it was just fun to stage manage like the process, and then I have another show. It was fun to stage manage because of the calling of the show. Um, yeah, so it's it's okay. Um, what is the, your favorite show you've ever seen? Mm. Um, probably Angels in America, both parts. Um, I was able to see both parts, um, in one day, uh, with the original, with that, with the cast. Um, oh, that was the Andrew Nathan Garfield. Lane, Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Wow. All yeah, in one and day. And I just think that that was, mm-hmm. Wow. Did you come yeah. really close so friends I, with the person you were sitting next to? <laughs> Luckily I was, we, I, it was when I was at a different intensive the summer before last. And so. Um, we all knew each other who I was sitting with, but, um, I think that was probably the most special piece of theater that I've seen live. Also, Dear Evan Hansen with the original cast was insane. I've seen it and I've seen it in New York, but I didn't get to see it with the original cast. And so I'm uh, a little jealous that you got to see Ben Platt and, (laughs) and the rest of them. Um, what are your dream roles? And the way I always ask this is, what is your dream role that you won't ever be able to play uh, because of, you know, gender or race or, or whatever. And what is your dream role of like, I could play this role um, either now or like with more experience or, you know, because it's older, you could play it in a few years. So like my, my examples are always of the non-realistic is Cole House Walker Jr. from Ragtime. I can't ever play that role. Uh, but it is my favorite all-time show, and it is an amazing role. Um, and then my realistic one is, you know, take your pick of uh, the Beast from Beauty and the Beast or Shrek or any of those other big lovable characters. Right. Um, I would say, surprisingly, this one isn't uh, one that I would never play because I actually got a callback for it when my school did it but the MC in Cabaret. Um, I, yeah, my, one of my friends and I were like the two females who got a call back to be the MC. And I knew that I wasn't going to be the MC. So I didn't give it my all, but I wish that I did <laughs> because that character is just like, I don't know what it is about that character. I just love it so much. Um, and then I, I feel like I probably have more. I'll I'll think about them. But um I'd say the two characters dream roles um Jenna and Waitress 
would be the first is like my first answer to that because it's um I was telling you this the other week waitress was the musical that kind of like sparked my real passion for Broadway um musicals you know in general I I always knew I liked musicals but I didn't know a lot about them um and I just kind of knew like the big ones you know um and as soon as I heard Jesse Mueller singing she used to be mine I was like I need to know what this musical is and I used all of the money I got for my first professional show and I sent myself to New York to see Waitress and see Jesse Mueller and the vocals in that show just like fit my voice pretty well so Jenna and Waitress and I'm a sucker for the last five years um Kathy in the last five years I love the music in that show so much um I'm not a mezzo soprano so maybe that's an unrealistic <laughs> uh role of mine um and then um I also have a couple plays that I was like able to work with that I would love to do the full length uh version of um Sarah and Stop Kiss Harper and Angels in America um I would love to do people places and things um there are certain like plays that that I would also love to be able to act in further than beyond like just scene work that I have done before. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I've ever actually heard you sing. So I would, I'm not going to, yeah, don't yeah. worry. I'm not, I'm not going to make you like sing for the podcast. Don't worry. I wouldn't, <clears> throw, <throat> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Are you throw, sure? I wouldn't throw that. I mean, if you want to, by all means, but I'm not going to put you no, on the spot I'm, and make you sing for the podcast. No, I've got like a, like, I used to be so insecure about my singing voice. I think I've gotten a little more comfortable with it. I think I was insecure because it's not um, uh, typical musical theater at all. You know, um, I, I just don't sound great singing musical theater because I think that it usually is very catered to one specific type of voice um and that's just not mine and so there are very few roles um that i sound decent at <laughs> which is why i just haven't done much musical i've done musical theater but i've never done big roles or you know anything like that so yeah one well, of these days of i like, need to i need to hear you well when they um <laughs> Well, I know, you know, before the shutdown, there was a place downtown that every Sunday um, was basically like a live Broadway piano bar karaoke place. That In Asheville? On, yeah, that would happen on Sunday nights, like right down the street from the theater. I never went. Dylan went a couple times. And I know, actually, oh my I think we were, I think there were talks for like Dylan, his girlfriend, Audrey, and myself, we're going to go to it the Sunday after they shut everything down. Like we had our rehearsal on Thursday and then like the next Sunday we were going to have rehearsal and then go to it. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sure I was going to announce it. We're like, Hey, everybody, they're going to do this. And you just bring your own right. sheet music and give it to the pianist and they play live and it's full of theater people. So they all, you know, appreciate and cheer you on and, um, it's like the best. That's, I did ever. that at um, I did that at a 
the karaoke bar karaoke bar in New York, Don't Tell Mom is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know of it, but it is just some, like the same exact concept. And um, I went and was peer pressured by my professor to sing. And so I had mixed up sheet music to burn from Hamilton mm-hmm. and gave it to the pianist and um, completely bombed because I was so nervous. <laughs> and that song is already like, it's pretty in my range, but like there are moments like I have to have a lot of control with it, which I'm just like not great at because I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of vocal training. Yeah. And um, and then I gave it to him and the music was mixed up. So like he was just like playing some stuff and yeah. I was like trying to follow along, just like scared in New York City singing for the first time. <laughs> yeah. For somebody, who, <laughs> for somebody who will do just about anything in musical theater, you know, auditioning doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, you know, performing doesn't really bother me anymore. I hate karaoke and I just don't do it. I am the complete opposite. (laughs) (laughs) If I am at a karaoke bar, like stand back because I will put my name on the list at least six times. We need to go. And I will... Yeah, yeah. Next but, time everything like, every, next time everything's open. Next time everything's open, back, yeah. I'm gonna get Dylan and, and Audrey and pull you along with us. And like there's a couple other and people. Maxwell I know. And Maxwell and Casey. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And bring them and we'll go to the social or we'll go somewhere that has karaoke. A big reason why this is what I tell people is that I don't listen to real music. So like I don't know anything that's ever played on you know, whatever, unless I'm actually picking like a Broadway song or a Disney song or something. I do have like my go to my quote unquote go to karaoke song is for the longest time. Um, whoa. like that, but that's pretty much it. Oh, the longest time. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Um, yeah, I made I. I befriended the karaoke DJ from my college town because he knew my friend and I as Joe and Verge, like he knew that we were going at it. If, if we were there, he was like, he would bump us up on the list. As soon as we got to him, he'd be like, there's six people on there, but you guys are next. (laughs) Like we, I, yeah, I love karaoke, but then you asked me to actually like sing a song in front of someone for an audition. And I absolutely choke. That's that's funny that we're the complete opposite when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe it's like usually I'm a little bit under the influence or so I don't know what it is. If it's, it's probably, probably has life, something to but, do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the last time I went, I went with the cast of the show I was working for. I think that was R and J the second year. And we were there. And then in walks the cast of Hands on a Hard Body that Dylan and Audrey were in. Um, and so it was weird because it was like, here's my cast. And then so I was hanging out with them. But this cast has like three or four people that I know. So I was just like bouncing back and forth. And it was really funny that, you know, I'd be sitting with the R&J cast and somebody from Hands on a Hard Body who were all in Footloose with me. Um, and they would get up and was like, oh, y'all listen to this. And they would sing and this guy's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody would get up from my R&J cast and go sing. I'd run over there and be like, listen, 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 listen. And they'd be like, whoa, they're really good. So I was like, if I could have combined the two casts for a song, that would have been amazing. 
Been what is your go-to karaoke I, song? Um, that's what I was going to move to. Um, <laughs> um, I have like a weird, like, I don't like country music. I'm not a country music gal. However, there's something that comes over me when I'm at a karaoke bar that I feel it necessary to sing Carrie Underwood. Um, and so I'll do some like, um, I mean, before he cheats is classic, but I usually don't do that. Like undo it, Carrie Underwood or last name, Carrie Underwood um, is a big one. Not ready to make nice by the Dixie Chicks. Um, Who are now known as just the chicks. As the chicks, yeah. yes. Um, and uh, also a friend, of, a friend and I always, always do hold on Wilson Phillips no matter the occasion hold on by Wilson Phillips is is our go-to I once went to I do a lot of country music I once went to um there was a bar like two minutes from the theater that I used to do a bunch of my stuff in that had karaoke on Friday nights and so we would always go there after rehearsal on Fridays and one time we went and there was like 15 of us and we and all of us would like would get up and sing stuff but they would all be like Disney songs or Broadway musicals, sh- uh, show tunes and stuff. And they finally got to the point where they're like, no more Disney, no more show tunes. And then we all paid our tabs and left. <laughs> we were yeah. like, well, yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess it's our time. Yeah. <laughs> and my other, my favorite thing to do since I typically don't perform at these is um, I like to play a little game of, what style of song is this person ag- about to sing? So like, you know how they're always, they're would always you, like, up would, next is so-and-so. And as they're walking up, I go, all right, they're about to sing. And I got really specific one time and I was like, 90s country, slow song. <laughs> and he got up and it was exactly 90s country, slow song. And the only reason why yeah, it was 90s right. country, because that was the only time I listened to country. And so... If I knew the song, that's where it was from. And I was like, huh, I was, I was right. What would my, if they were like, next up is Virginia Rigsby. And Ooh, I walked I up know. to the stage. I don't know. I think Carrie Underwood would have been a surprise. Um, oh, really? I was going to say, I feel like that's my, my stick when you look at me. I don't know. I don't feel like. Like when I see you, like country pops out. Of course, she's more like country pop, I guess. Yeah. um, I don't know. I would, I think if I watched you go up there, I I would hope that you were about to belt out something like some big voice, like belter, like a Christina Aguilera or something like that. I'm the opposite. And that's why I can never get roles in music theater. Like literally never. I can't belt to save my life. Like I can to a very, very small extent. Like my belt is not impressive. But um but I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> well, um yeah, I mean take it take it how it how it is. It is a very fun game to do though. Is just I'm like, sure. I need to do that next time, yeah. And um where we were, there's a guy who's, who goes so often. He had his nickname. His nickname was Harmonica Joe. 
And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it's because during like, you know, the musical break of the song, he whips out a harmonica and plays the harmonica like like perfectly like it could have been in the song. Um, That's you, what I want to be. And that is what I want to be. That's you want to have a nickname at a karaoke future. place? <laughs> I mean, I already kind of did. I already kind of accomplished that goal in college. But um, I do. I, I want to be a regular somewhere. They're like, everyone get out of the way. Harmonica Joe is coming. <laughs> Harmonica Verge is coming. <laughs> like maybe you're the maybe you're the one who who sings Valerie. Like I feel like every time I go, I I would hope not. <laughs> like I feel like every time I go to a I know go and there's karaoke, somebody sings that song. Of course, of course they do. I did attend Beyonce the last time I went to karaoke. How did that work out for that you? Uh, it did not work out, <laughs> period. As, yeah, my friend picked it and she was like, let's do Irreplaceable. I was like, okay, in my head thinking, like, that's a pretty easy song. And we got up there and I was like, ah, like trying to reach for like my chestiest like mix and I just couldn't get there. <laughs> I was like, you take it, girl, you take it. <laughs> I have one time, one time been that guy who who did journey but it was towards the that's end of the what night I would, that's unfortunately what i would probably assume you would do when i saw you i got walk up there with my like, cider he's about to do yeah walk up there with my bold rock pineapple cider yeah towards the end like it's 30 minutes before closing time and it's just like faithfully yeah <laughs> open yeah. arms yeah. <laughs> in which is way too high for me. Um Yeah. But no, just journey and then have everybody join in. Or be the or be the guy who plays Bohemian Rhapsody. And which, like re- and tries to do every part. Mm-hmm. Especially in the opera part. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I would peg you as if I had yeah. to guess. <laughs> yeah, early on, like I, I wasn't much of like a bar slash karaoke person. Like as soon as I turned 21 happened a little later. Mm-hmm. And like, I think I went one time with somebody, I was like, yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever been to a bar that had karaoke. And the guy was like, yeah. And I was like, somebody should sing like Bohemian Rhapsody. He's like, nobody's <laughs> drunk enough for that yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not late enough to do that. That's like last 15 minutes of the night type stuff. It like, is. And then know. even then, like when when I hear that, I roll my eyes and it takes me about but I'll still sing along. But okay. I have to be it has to be fifteen minutes towards towards closing, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we are to the the famous last question of standby guy. Uh, um and you you told me that you've been thinking about it. There's no pressure, there's no right or wrong answer to this. But why theater? Right. Um, like you said, it it's a question that I was asked like a couple years ago too that I had absolutely no answer to. I was like, I don't know. Like I'm good at it. This was like me, like young college kind of. Um, and I think I have been able to now reflect on the 
the um, importance that it's had in my life. And I think as artists, we have like such a privilege to be able to um, to I, I hate I hate the like I want to be a voice for the voiceless um, kind of thing, you know, like shtick. Because it's just it's like a little bit overdone at this point, and like, what does that even really mean? But it's so true. Like, we have an opportunity to like create other dreamers and other artists by watching us. And I know how important that was to me when I first started seeing theater. I was like, oh my gosh, I can be up there. And it 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 taught me how to think bigger and um and how to like realize that all stories are important and all stories can be told and and whether or not you feel like your story is important or special or valid or or anything out of the ordinary like i think that theater teaches everyone that everyone's story should and can be told and seeing that was so important to me and to be an artist and to be able to help someone else say a younger person um you know like a six-year-old going to the theater for the first time and looking at the stage and being like, oh my gosh, I could do that too. Or a 65-year-old woman seeing a play being like, oh my gosh, this is a story that I never thought would be important that I relate to that is now being told on this grand scale. Um, and to have, um, to have that audience and like artist relationship I think I'm talking in circles right now. That's why I can't answer this question because like I can't like form one sentence. Like I think the audience relationship with theater is just so important and unlike any other art form because not only are they having an experience with the actors, they're having an experience with each other. And for two hours you get to come and like be totally disconnected from social media and and everything that's happening in the outside world and everyone in like this one building is just on a whole different level of connection is just so special and i don't think that any other art form does that and i'm forever grateful for it and i'm forever grateful for the way it made me feel when i was young and the way it still makes me feel um i was talking to a friend every time i hear an overture i start crying if i see live music <laughs> if i see a live musical or any play with music, every time an overture comes on, I start crying because I'm like, this is just so important. And everyone in this room is experiencing this like beautiful creation together. And I know the way it makes me feel. And if I can make anyone else feel that way, then I've done my job, you know? Um, that's me talking in circles, trying to figure out why I do theater, but there's so a, many reasons. Yeah, you know? no, there yeah, there are so many reasons. And everyone that you just gave was was beautiful and they all sound I don't know, like I very sim it's very similar to mine. And um I yeah, yeah, I know. Like you have your you your one picture is all you need to say, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like your one picture encompasses everything that I also try to say, but like can't. Yeah. 
form a straight thought on. But, I mean, yeah. it it took me. Um, I wrote a blog about it, and it took me two days to do it. And I I still think it. I you know where I put my blog at the top, it tells you how long it'll take you to read it. And it says 10 minutes. It's like a 10 minute read. And it took me two, two days to write it out. And it's still not complete because I wrote it a year or two years ago and it's changed since then. So that, I think that's the beauty of, of theater is that we could have a reason for going into it at one point. And the reason why we still do it is a completely different thing. So that's um, what I feel like I feel like the reason why I can't like put it together in one in one phrase in one like complete thought is because my reason changes all the time it changes day to day I'm like sometimes I just want a form of escapism sometimes I just want to laugh sometimes I want to um feel seen and feel heard by someone else who's experienced something similar same with film for that reason and you know like Sometimes I want to hear great vocals and I want to hear pleasant music. Like, so, you know, like, and sometimes, and, and right now, especially like having stories from different perspectives um, in terms of like diversity. And um, I think right now, a lot of people are doing so many great things with Black Lives Matter and movements like that. And I think that the art that's going to come out of where we're at right now is going to be so special. And that's another reason why we do theater is because because it can tell stories unlike anything else with this like face-to-face connection with the audience and the actors. It's just so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those that it can be, I think everybody that I've had on, I can do a whole podcast off of that one question. Yeah. Can, 100%. So why is it 100%. fair for me to make it the last question and to, and, for a couple of minutes at the end. It's Why not, do you do that? I never said life is fair. I never said this podcast is fair. Um, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you know it's coming, I put it at the end. So you kind of forget it's there until yeah. I pop it up. What I just, time. what I just said was not at all what I was planning on saying, saying I was like, we as dreamers. And then I went off. <laughs> I was like, there it goes again. Like I can't ever like, contain it into one and i'm sure at some point like later tonight like while you're trying to go to bed you you know you're gonna be like john i meant Uh, to say this and shoot that (laughs) you're not the first person who said that who's been like what or that uh that you know they think of it later they're like oh i wish i would have said this later 100 (laughs) i 100 will yeah but i do think that you know I think a lot of where I struggle are like why be an artist and also why theater to me are like two different things. And that's where I get like kind of mixed. And I think with the why theater is, is mostly about that human connection that you can't get anywhere else. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. You just and can't it, get it anywhere and it's a, yeah. and it's a place that people who've never done it just won't understand. I think, right. I think, I think theater people who listen to this podcast will get what we're talking about and get, understand that mm-hmm. feeling. And I think people who only watch it and have never done it won't ever be able to understand what yeah, it is, absolutely. but they have and their own also, reason, but I feel like they have their own reason for why theater, their own reason for going to mm-hmm. see it. Um, but unless you've done it, no, no number of shows that you've seen, 
if you haven't done some some part of it, you just won't understand it. Yeah, agreed. And I, I also feel like that's sometimes, you know, because theater is not super, it's not popular among just like your day-to-day, like average person. I think that like there are theater people and then like there are people who do not like theater. Like I know people who are just like, I do not like theater. And I think that that connection is almost what scares them away from it because like i like just people are like i get like i just don't want to like watch it right in front of my face i want to be able to pause it and like i don't want it like it's it makes them uncomfortable but i think that's what's important and i think that that's why it's special you know because you can't really run from it yeah i definitely think there are people who are afraid of the whole like um you know yeah, I have to be there. I'm within 50 feet of the person who's going through this right there, which is why I think it's so important um, that Hamilton was released um, on Disney, oh, same. which, yeah. which yeah. I think I've said this in the last two recordings. And so if, since this is the third one, I've said this and I'm going to have to have an episode, a Hamilton episode. Um, but like, I think what's so important about Hamilton coming out is and i heard lynn say this i say that his first name like we're friends but i heard lynn say this in a couple of different places of like more people will have seen hamilton in the first weekend that it came out than the cumulative number of people who've ever who've seen it um and i think it's that and he's so excited about coming out on disney um because of the access you know it's it's six dollars or a week of free disney plus and you can watch it as many times as you want. Um, and just the number of people who have never seen theater or can't afford theater or are too afraid to go and sit in a theater can see what it is. My hope and my expectation is that in 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to get a massive surge of like plays and musicals and just mm-hmm. art in general from people who saw Hamilton who never would have seen a Broadway musical um, during a time when they couldn't leave their houses. And just, I hope that just, I was telling my mom, I also think in 15 years, we're going to get a huge surge of people who uh, study public health. And like, that is what they're going to go to college for because of this whole pandemic and how it was handled. Um, and I think there will be a lot of people like, like a, a new wave of like Dr. Fauci's who just study pandemics and things like that, um, that was created out of this. But I also think there'll be a huge surge in art, um, and across all forms, whether it's theater, musical theater, um, TV, movies, uh, books, stuff like that. I think there's gonna be a huge surge. And, um, I always try and find a silver lining and everything. And I think that may be one of them in this whole crazy period, um, of not only the pandemic, but the different social things that are happening across the country and the world. I just think that, um, what will come out of it, or at least I hope what will come out of it is a lot of positive, um, art and not just something to keep me employed, but something to really enjoy going to the theater every day to work on in whatever capacity it is that I work on it. Yeah. I 100% agree with everything you just said. That's 
one of the silver linings that I've also tried to find from all of this. And um, going back to Hamilton, I think that that being released has also showed the positive impact on filming and and releasing uh, recorded versions of shows because I mean theater in itself can be like there's like a lot of classism like under that you yeah, know like it can be very elite plays a part mm-hmm. yeah elitist and like and I think Broadway tickets are just so out of this world expensive sometimes and um and you have to fly to New York too to see them. And of course there are traveling tours, but those tickets aren't much cheaper. And you have the regional theater, which is amazing. And um, it serves an amazing purpose for those reasons um, and community theater, obviously. But, um, but the, I think that Hamilton um, creating such a stir with its stream, with its like recorded stream, I think that a lot more shows will be recorded and accessible um like hamilton's done too in the future which i think is super positive um because that's i mean that's a huge reason why too like when i was a freshman i was like well i've never been to new york when when i first discovered waitress and i was like i have to go to new york and i'd never been and i'd never seen a broadway show and i didn't know much about musicals because i was like i can't get to new york i can't see them i can't afford them i can't you know, there was like so many reasons why I couldn't see theater and like a bootleg version mm-hmm. just can't do anything justice, you know? And so I think that um, in the coming years, I think that recorded versions of shows will be more of the norm. And I am looking forward to that. And I think that that's important. Yeah. I like do you too. said, like, yeah, like someone who just saw Hamilton now might have a spark of genius, like some type of genius idea because of their inspiration from you know, the show and, and it's genius. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's and, just and so, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like two of the big things that pop out is, you know, because the Hamilton tickets are so expensive. Um, I never, yeah. I never say publicly how much I paid for my Hamilton ticket. Um, but oh, so many people would get mad at Lin-Manuel for like, why are these tickets so expensive? And I've always argued that he the person who's the angriest about these ticket prices are him. Um, and I think him being willing to put out um, this show for people to pay $6 a month for is, is, mm-hmm. is proof of that. But I also don't want people to think that Hamilton was the first one. Like um, it, it, it's just the most successful one. Cause I think it's the show that most people wanted to see newsies did it. The newsies, the film newsies version, which is also on Disney plus is outstanding. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Um, I haven't seen it's it. It's really good, but um, Shrek the musical also did it. And so did, uh, I think this maybe like cats did it that uh, one time. Into the woods, had and into the woods with yeah, but, that's, yeah, that's where I was going. Burning up Peters, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I agree with you. I hope I know that just about every musical gets recorded, maybe not to the yeah, because it and they get put in the archives in the Lincoln and, Center, yeah, and like and you can go and watch them, but you again have to be in New York and like you have, have to you check know it like out. there's yeah. so many yeah there's so many steps to go watch it. I'm like I. Oh, yeah. like no, <laughs> you know, like why, why, why do you have to make it so difficult to yeah. see these like professionally recorded? Because almost every single Broadway show, I think every Broadway show, 
as a professional recording. Yeah, mo- yeah, most yeah, most of them have like a, an archival. Maybe not to the to the extent of like what Hamilton did, where they put cameras on the stage um, for you know I think it was eleven of their numbers. But yeah, they have professional cameras throughout the house during a performance or during a rehearsal, so you can at least see it. Uh, but yeah, I hope I know there's like a Broadway HD that you can do, but even that, I think it's you watch whatever they put out at certain times. I don't think it's like a a Netflix where you can go, what musical do I want to see today? Um, right. But still, it at least it's something. Yeah, I wish mm-hmm. that there was. I wish that there were ways that we can see, you know, everything. Uh, what what um, show that hasn't been made into a movie? would you want to see like like big musical i don't know because i like i'm not a big movie musical person mm-hmm. i mean i love them i've seen like all of them um but i sometimes think that like some things are just better left on stage and some things are better left in film like i don't think i haven't heard any updates kind of since but like when la la land like there was such talk about la la land being <clears throat> brought to the stage and I think the best thing about that movie was the cinematography and that it was beautiful like I'm like why bring it to the stage like no like just leave it you know Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of the things that I've seen I would just um rather have soundstage um and there are not a lot of shows that aren't already movies or movies that were adapted into a musical um I guess the first one that comes to mind is Dear Evan Hansen um, because yeah. it was a completely original um, story. I guess that, yeah. Um, everything else, like all of my other favorites have already been made into a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think of like Heather's, but like Heather's was, was already a movie and then it was, you know, there's just yeah. so many that aren't just a standalone stage musical. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I mean, I was asking that as in like, which show like that is that, would you like to have to see like the, the recorded version of kind of like, Oh, I thought yeah. you meant like, no, like movie musical, like hairspray. <laughs> oh. I mean, hairspray is a good one. Oh. I would love to play. I would love to play Edna in that show, but. Oh yeah, I can see that. Um, Oh, um, in that case, then. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll have to think about that. Maybe the producers, like original cast of the producers. Yeah. Um, Although the movie for that show, I I did see that show. I saw that show in New York, not with the original cast, but the movie is like spot on. I know, I know. Uh-oh. The color purple. Oh yeah. The color purple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would pay big bucks to see that happen again. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think like which, I think a lot of mine would be, I just would like to see like the original, the OBC for a lot of things. Um, I mean, Les Mis has already been 
that I would love, I would love to see. I, first of all, I want to see that show in person anyway, but um, I was supposed to shadow that show right before everything shut down. Um, I don't know. I never anticipate to answer my own questions. This is why, right. I'm, on, that's why I'm on this side. <laughs> so I don't have to answer the questions. Um, I'll give you a little bit of space too. I would also like to see the Alan Cummings cabaret and good, like really good quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not everyone I think of was like, Oh no, that is an actual movie. Uh, You're right. <laughs> like Chicago. Of course, a lot of these are just like shows that I want to be in too. Um, like the original Into the Woods, which has already been made, but that's it's just, I love it so much. Um, actually not a big fan of the original Broadway cast of Phantom. Uh, it's like my... I'm not a fan of Phantom in general. It, when I, I went up to New York in November and it was out of all these shows I saw, it was my least favorite. I think it had something to do with how far yeah. away from the stage I was, but um, yeah, I probably would love to have seen like the original Les Mis. That would be sick. Like I've seen the concert versions because so I've loved the, yeah. I've seen the movie, um, but I just think being able to see just about any original would is probably yeah. Yeah. probably amazing Agreed. Agreed. well i i thank you so much for coming on the podcast i hope that um, this me. was um a good experience for your first time on a podcast and making you want to go on more um and remember if you ever do start your own podcast that i have to come on to it yes yes of course <laughs> I realize now, like one thing that I've taken away from my app state theater um, time, my my voice teacher told me that I don't breathe when I talk, and that's why I have a vocal fry. And I realize that when I talk for a long extended period of time, I don't breathe, and I feel it in my throat. And now I understand what he's saying. <laughs> well, there you go. I was yeah. like, thanks, I guess. But now yeah. I guess. <laughs> One of my big things, I just forget to breathe sometimes, yeah. either when I'm talking for a long time or just in general. So like a lot of times I'll just Same. be like, oh, John, you have to breathe. And then it's a lot of like, like trying not to breathe into the microphone. Yeah. That's when I mute, like I, like I mute my, my microphone while you're talking. Um, but you know, this is great. Um, I'm glad we got a chance to talk more about your program in New York. Um, and I got some things to work on in the future. And thank you for everybody who's listening to this episode and all the episodes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and also on YouTube. So until next time.